Father, we're grateful for your love, for your grace, for your mercy to meet us here this morning. And so, God, I pray and ask and plead that you might um, do a work in our hearts, do a work in all those who are watching, all those who are uh, listening to uh, this word, your word. Uh, may the power of your Holy Spirit transform us in, in all ways you see fit for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, again, good morning. Uh, we're so glad that you're, you're joining us here uh, online. And, and again, just way of announcements, uh, last week was our first uh, in-person gathering, and uh, this week, this Sunday right now, actually, if you're watching this at 9 or, or 1045, we're in the middle of our, our second week of in-person gatherings, and I, I just want to take just a moment to uh, really challenge you uh, to um, come back to our, our gatherings a, a, as you're comfortable, right? Like, um, as, as kind of time goes on and as you see things uh, kind of lift um, and, and as the uh, downward uh, trend of the, this virus happens, uh, come back. Like, we, we can't stress uh, how important it is to uh, be in, in the flesh and blood community, and, and I don't want to overhype uh, what happened last week in, in our three gatherings and six services, but there was just something special, like the, the presence of the Lord was there, and, and He's moving, and it was just a sweet time. I mean, in very small groups, and you can ask anyone who, who was there how, how, how it was, um, these were intimate moments of just uh, pressing into the Lord and, and worshiping together and, 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 and peering into His Word and, and all those things, and so just want to, again, challenge uh, this faith family, the Parks Church, if you're part of this church, to uh, as as soon as you you are ready, uh, sign up for for one of our services and uh, and join us. We we miss seeing you. We miss seeing you face to face again. It was just such a joy uh, to be back uh, together in church worshiping. Uh, and so I just I want I want to see you again. We want to see you again. So so join us. But until. Um, until you do that, we'll be providing these, these online services, and, and we're excited. Uh, this week, we are starting a, a new series, so we're going to pause Acts uh, for, for just a bit, and I, we had hoped uh, by this time we had made it halfway through Acts. We're so close. We made it to Acts chapter 13 uh, this past week, uh, but typically our, our rhythm in the summer is that we pause whatever book we're in, and uh, we jump into a, another sermon series. And, and walk through that. And so that's what we'll be doing this week. We're going to start a new series called uh, Reappearing Church. And I alluded to that uh, series last week as we, we ended with the question around spiritual health. And, and, and I hope you've had time since last Sunday, if you haven't forgot about the question um, until now or been reminded of it, uh, about the areas that you desire or need to get healthier as we're coming out of this, right? It, it's, it's interesting, the feeling, as we're kind of getting back out uh, from a quarantine state, from um, being isolated 100%, uh, to, to the, the feelings that are taking place, the, the emotions, and, and, and it's, it's like we're getting right back out into the, to the wild. Somebody said that to me um, at our church service. It's like, it's like we're getting back out into this, this, this foreign land, um, and, and there is some truth to that. Like We're, we're coming back into this place that looks and, and, and feels uh, very different, but the question we want to ask and the question we want to wrestle with through this series is, what does it look like as we, we come out of this season? And, and listen, we're not, we're not out of many of the things that this season um, that, that are happening in this season, but we want to um, be spiritually minded and think about what the Lord has done and is doing as we come out and, and, and back into um, some form 
uh, of normal. Like we have no desire to return back to the old ways of doing things. And so we've called this series uh, Reappearing Church. And, and the heart behind this series is really to um, create a, a desire and a deep dependence in us to long for the Lord to do a renewing work. You see, uh, renewal is something that the Bible um, paints a picture of um, time and time again. Also, renewal is something that we see happening throughout church history. We see it happen um, all over the phases of the church, that, that there are these times of, of waning or seeming like decline that lead or give way to a process or a, a renewal system that, that takes place in the people of God. And what we see in this time and in this season is that the Lord potentially could be setting us up for a renewal moment, but it requires a people who are hungry. We talked about a spiritually hungry church last week. It requires a people who desire and go after the Lord in such a way, asking and pleading for him to renew. And so when we use the word renewal in this series, I just want to define it. And, and this week really is going to be setting up the series. And, and, and I, I say this oftentimes that, that I might leave you a little frustrated because I don't get to the how. How do we do this? What, 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 what steps do I need to take um, just yet? And I hope you'll appear in weeks two, three, and four, and, and we'll walk through those a little bit more explicitly. But when we say renewal, here's what we mean. Renewal is the refreshment release, and advancement that we experience when we are aligned with God's presence, okay? So, so here's what we are longing for. Here's what we are exploring the scriptures. We're looking at church history as it relates to renewal. What, what are those elements that we see where a time of unique refreshing and release and advancement of the gospel happen in the life of the church and in the life of believers. It only happens when we are aligned with God's presence. Apart from God's presence, there is no renewal. Uh, Tess and I, we have been, uh, through this, this time of quarantine, we've been walking through a book called A God-Sized Vision. And I read the book probably uh, three or four years ago. And it's, it's, a, it's a, a book about stories of God's movement from the first awakening. And what strikes me in all of these different movements of God and these renewals or these revivals, if you will, is that it all begins with a people who are hungry for more of God. And I know that seems simple and that seems trite, but, but even one of the stories in the mid-1800s is, is about a renewal um, uh, through that was led by businessmen. And so this was a, a lunchtime renewal where there was a group of, of, of business leaders who got together, who hungered and, 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 and thirsted for more of God. So they simply spent from 12 o'clock to 12, 12, 12 to 1 p.m., right, their lunch hour, seeking God and seeking his face and seeking his presence and seeking renewal for their community. This happened in, in the Northeast here in the United States. And, and over a period of time, in fact, a, a fairly long period of time of seeking God for that one hour, week after week after week, day after day, God moved and started this renewal and, and, and began to spread out where thousands and thousands of business leaders would join for this 12 o'clock to 1 p.m., a time of prayer, a time of worship, and a time of testimony and sharing the stories of what God was doing. People were being saved. People were, were confessing sin. Uh, people were, were drawing closer to God than ever before. Apathy was falling off. Like All of these amazing things happened because they were aligning themselves with God's presence, and there was this renewal. There was this refreshing. There was this release in advancement. Um, church, we long 
And we desperately need renewal in our lives and in our church. And listen, we're not critiquing other churches. We're not critiquing other people. We're not even critiquing culture. We're talking about us individually and us corporately here at the Parks Church. Um, A.W. Tozer has this quote. He says, the world is perishing for lack of the knowledge of God, and the church is famishing for want of his presence. What we're not doing in this series is trying to give you more knowledge accumulation, uh, probably knowledge that you already know. What we want and what we desire from this series is that it would instigate in us a hunger and a thirst for the presence of the God most of us know intellectually. And so if you are a, a non-believer watching this or peering in or listening to this, some of the language we might use, um, it's, it's going to be foreign to you. It won't resonate because the, 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 the assumption is this, that those of you who are watching this, who desire more of God, that, that God has saved you, that he has placed his spirit in you through faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And so we're going to talk, this message is talking to those of you who have trusted in Jesus. And if you haven't trusted in Christ, I pray that these words would give you a picture of hope that is out there, that is found in Jesus Christ alone. And so the beginning conversations here about renewal. Historically, renewal in the church follows periods of crisis, change, and transition. Biblically, we see this, and in church history, we see this, that renewal follows periods of crisis, change, and transition. Sound familiar? Sound like the day we're living in now? And hear me, uh, it is often really good news when the ground beneath us shakes, when the ground beneath us moves, right? Why is that good news? It's good news because it reveals what things we're standing on. It reveals what our lives, what our faith is really in, right? What the Bible calls shifting sand or a, a sure foundation, and when we find ourselves in these cultural transitions, which we're in, it gives us a new environment that we're asking that the Holy Spirit would give us lenses to see and discover how it opens up new possibilities for our lives and for us as a church. We wholeheartedly know and believe we are in one of the, those moments. And so how are we going to come through this, continue through this, and come out of this? Our prayer is stronger. Our prayer is people more deeply aligned by God's presence with his purpose. Um, there's a, a story that an Anglican bishop tells uh, about one of, uh, when he was on vacation and, and he was by this, the, this great body of water. And what he had noticed is this beautiful fish, this beautiful carp, colorful, um, had washed up on uh, the muddy bank. And he and his wife were there, and it was kind of like wallowing around, and it was just really struggling. And his wife's like, listen, you, you need to go, go go, help that fish. And so he's like, okay, you know, there's a lot of mud between them. So he's like, I'm going to get so dirty. And so he did what any, uh, you know, guy does. He, he grabs a stick, and he kind of, you know, pokes it, and it didn't move it. You know, it, it just didn't budge it because it was just stuck there in, in the muck and mire. And he's like, man, this is such a beautiful fish. And so his wife goes, and she gets a bucket, and she's like, well, just, just dump water on it, right? Just pour some water on it uh, just to help it breathe a little bit more. And so he does that. He kind of gets a bucket, and he throws water on it. And, and he's like, well, that, that, that lasted for, for all of but, but a moment, but the fish went back to, to struggling. And uh, he, he makes this note, and, and I want to read the way that he says this. And he's like, he had this moment where he looked at that fish, 
He says this about the church. He says, the church is like that carp, mature, distinguished, and impressive. She has lived long, fought hard, eaten well, but she has been lured out of the deep waters, and she is stuck in the mud, suffocating. Occasional momentary relief from a spiritual watering can, will not save her. Her only hope is to get back to the deeps. Like, as I, I read that, like, I, I was struck and, and struck to the place where I just asked the Lord, like, Lord, I want to swim in the deeps, right? Like, like, there are moments in my life where I feel like that fish kind of stuck in the mud, in the muck, and, 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 and the little sprinkling from a spiritual water can gives me a little bit of breath, but what I'm needing is I'm needing to be taken back to the depths. I'm needing to, 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 to be taken back by the presence of God into the place where he has designed us all to swim and to flourish. You see, the bishop tells a story at the end. He says, finally, I got dirty, I got muddy, I grabbed a fish, and I put it back into the deep water. And he said it just sat there for a while and floated. And then all of a sudden, it moved and kicked and eventually swam into the deeps. You see, as Christ followers, as disciples, as people redeemed by the grace and mercy of Jesus, that's where we were designed to swim. We were designed to understand, as Ephesians, Paul says in Ephesians, the immeasurable riches of our God, but yet we settle, we settle, and some of us unknowingly, we're settling for wallowing in the mud. We're settling for just being in the shallows and sustaining, but yet in our heart of hearts, we're, we're struggling and we can't figure out why. And Mark Sayers, um, who has a lot of thoughts around this idea of, of renewal and, in fact, wrote a book called Reappearing Church, he says this. He says, we are drowning in freedoms, but thirsting for meaning. We're drowning in freedoms, but we're thirsting for meaning. And I want you to pause and just think about that. And I know for many of you, something in that is going to resonate, right? There are all these freedoms that we are given, that, that we love and that we enjoy, Right? There are freedoms that some of you are enjoying that aren't actually freedoms. You think they're freedoms, but they're actually slavery. But in your heart of hearts, you are missing that idea of what, what life is really all about, what a, a life with Jesus is really all about. You see, John um, chapter 4 in verses 13 to 14 is that scene with Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well, right? This, this famous scene. And that woman is there and... and um, she has enjoyed a lot of freedoms, cultural freedoms in her life, no doubt. But Jesus tells her something about freedoms. He tells her something defining what she's really longing for, what she's really thirsting for, where she will find ultimate meaning. And he says this, Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks this water, pointing to the well that she's at, will be thirsty again. Right? Think of whatever well you're drinking from, the well of career, the well of success, the well of comfort, the well of security, the well of marriage, the well of family, all those things, right? Good things, they just will never satisfy. He says, listen, you try to drink of this water, you'll thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. That water that I will give him or her will become in him 
a spring of water welling up to eternal life. There is this idea that the water that Jesus gives that is found only in him, only in the presence of God, is something that is the only solution to our thirst, the only solution to your spiritual hunger, the only satisfaction that must be found is found in the presence of God. Apart from him, John 15, 5, you can do nothing. Apart from Jesus, there is no satisfaction. There is no finding of purpose. There is no finding of meaning. And maybe some of you, 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 you are Christ followers, but you feel stuck. Like it, that's the best word to, to describe it. Or maybe you feel stagnant. Um, like my fear is that as we've went through maybe even this season or you have walked your Christian life, like what you have been satisfied with are just these little drops of water. When Jesus is like going, no, there is a whole ocean of goodness and purpose and flourishing that I want you to swim in, but for whatever reason, you're being satisfied right here. Um, Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3, I think gives us a really good picture of what the fullness or flourishing uh, really looks like when when renewal takes place in our hearts and in the life of the church and those around us. Here's here's what it looks like, uh, Psalm 1. It says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the ways of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Do you see that? The delight, the desire is for the things of the Lord. Where is his mind captured? By the things of God. Here's what he's like. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. All that he does. You see, our prayer is that God would take the people of the Parks Church deeper, that he would give us more of himself that in this season where we are changing some things and we're changing some things uh, logistically uh, at, for how we gather and how we interact, you see, th- those are just logistical changes. Those, those, those are surface stuff. What we are pleading for is a spiritual renovation of our heart that brings us into a growing appetite and life of God's presence and a desire for the depths that he has created us for. And so I want to show you something here. We're going to use this graphic, and this is going to serve kind of as our framework of what we're going to talk through over the next four weeks. And uh, this is this is a, a renewal graphic by Mark Sayers, who, who I've mentioned. And, and what you'll see on the screen now is this idea of what precedes renewal in our lives individually and corporately is this idea of decline. We see, see a decline, and you can see statistics all over the place that there is a, an obvious decline in the church as a whole, particularly here in, in the West. And hear me, that is not necessarily bad news. That is not news for us to freak out over. It's news for us to, to open our spiritual eyes and see and open our spiritual ears and hear why. But decline leads to this idea or this identification, if you will, of, 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 of one of the things I want to hit before, before we stop talking here is this idea of a holy discontentment. 
Holy discontentment. And then you can see from holy discontentment, there's this idea and stage of preparation and contending and then holy patterns that lead to renewal. Now listen, renewal is not something manufactured by by men. It's not something that we can just go, okay, go steps one through seven, and then boom, the outcome is renewal. Outcomes are up to God, and we've said that since day one here. But what we want to do is we want to faithfully walk as Scripture calls us to walk in the ways God has designed right? Like the, 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 the Bible is God's story from Genesis to Revelation of God's redemption, right? That most, even kids watching this, you know that if you're part of the Parks Church. However, how is God's redemption known in Genesis through Revelation? Here's how. His presence. His presence is the key to redemption. His presence is key, is essential, is necessary for renewal in our lives. But the starting blocks for that in the life of a believer is, is, is a holy discontent. And so the way I d- define this is that a holy discontent is the arrival point when you have gotten to the end of yourself. Right, like you have exhausted every means, every measure in terms of even how to connect with God and, and how to find meaning and how to flourish, right? You've come to the end of yourself, right? It's like that Red Sea moment where you're backed up against the wall and you go, I've exhausted everything, but yet there's a sea before me. Lord, you have to move, right? Nehemiah, where he's told about the walls in Jerusalem that they have been destroyed and torn down. The Bible says that he falls to his knees and he weeps. Like that's a picture of holy discontent. Or Ecclesiastes, a book we have taught through here at the Parks Church. Solomon, the wisest and richest man on the planet, says, Everything I have tried have exhausted me and have been futile and have left me still without purpose and meaning. There's only one place, Solomon says, after exhausting all those things, that I find meaning and purpose. And that's in the presence of God himself. Like there is a place where we must have or come to a holy discontent before we ever have any hope of getting to preparation that leads to contending, that leads to patterns, that leads us to renewal. But for many of us, we're not even there yet. You're not even there to holy discontent because you're just satisfied with where you are. But if you really pause and you really think about where you are, the ideas of, of meaning and purpose begin to creep up, and you have no, no answers for those. You look at the state of maybe even your own personal faith, and, and, and you see that it's a pretty low state of affairs, maybe. You look at the, the, the church, and, and there's something in you that just goes, there's, there's just something missing. There's something that I just feel like I'm just scratching the surface on, but I know that there's more because the word says that there's more. And so what the Spirit does is he creates a holy, a right discontent in our hearts that lead us to that place of being unsatisfied, right? And some of you are actually there, and you didn't know how to define it. You didn't know that your discontentment was actually holy, right? You are looking around. You're surveying your own heart. You're surveying your own life. You're surveying, yes, the culture around us, even the church culture around us. And you're going, there's just something missing. There's something that, that's not quite there. Like, God, is, is, this, is this all this life of following you is about? Is this all my life is, is, is really about? And maybe you look at, at your career or, or family or all those things, which are good things, but you go, is, 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 is this it? And the answer to that is, is no. And the Lord is gracious in bringing us to this place to see that the answer is no. And so here's, here's where I want to conclude around this idea of holy 
discontent. The first thing is this, that a holy discontent is not solved by the answers of the world. A holy discontent, the discontent in your heart, maybe that is there or that is hopefully, prayerfully soon coming from the Lord, is not solved by even the solutions maybe you're thinking of right now. Go to Matthew chapter 9, verses 16 and 17. This is Jesus talking to the religious leaders of the day around the question of why his disciples aren't fasting. Why aren't they doing, why aren't they following the system they need to be following, Jesus? And Jesus says, says this, he says, no one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch tears away from the garment, and a worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins. If it is, the skins burst, and the wine is spilled, and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins, and so both are preserved. So here's what we have. We have the religious leaders trying to ask or confront Jesus in this system of going, why aren't your guys following the system? And Jesus goes, because there's a new system. There's a new way of doing things. You see, religious leaders, what you're trying to do is you're trying to put a new patch on an old garment. You see, in our own efforts, in our own attempts to find renewal and seek renewal outside of the presence of God, here's what it is, is it's patching, it's putting a new patch on an old garment, and Jesus says right here in the text that what happens is they both are ruined. They're both torn. You see, Jesus tells us that he doesn't just give us a patch, right? He doesn't just give us a patch for fixing this or trying to adhere to this. No, he goes, I'm actually giving you a new garment, So the gospel is the good news that Jesus gives us himself, his presence as a new garment because the patches don't work, right? The patches of more stuff, a new job, more money, change here, change there, starting a ministry, searching for for places um, that, that, that you can find satisfaction. Those are all patches that ultimately lead to tearing away and destroying both. And, and, and all of us have experienced this. Right? It's, it's us, what he uses with the, the, the wineskin, right? Like we have been called new vessels, and Jesus wants to put in his new wine, his spirit in us, but yet we're trying to hold that with old containers, right? With old ways of doing things, right? But we must understand that the old way of doing things will never produce new results in our lives spiritually. I want to say that again. The old way of doing things will never produce in your life the, the, the spiritual growth and depth God wants to take you in, right? He's pouring in new wine, but it's in an old container. It bursts and we'll never hold it. What we're asking God for is, Lord, you have given us this new wine. You have given us this, this, this moment here. You have given us this new life through you, through your presence. God, help us, show us how to live lives who want nothing more than your presence, you see, if we keep going to cultural fixes, if we keep going to church fixes, right, it's actually insanity. Because what culture does is it offers a medicine to cure the disease that it created. It will never work. Listen, back to Jesus' words with the woman at the well. The only place you will find rest, the only place where we can launch from a holy discontentment to where God wants us, is in his presence. And what I hope is we're, as I'm talking about this, as we see and peer into the word of God, that there is a growing awareness, that there's a growing awareness of where you really are in your walk with Jesus as a believer, if it exists at all. And so the, the last thing is this, the second thing. 
that holy discontentment is a proactive dependence on God. It is a proactive meaning that we don't just sit back and go, well, I'm just going to depend on God. No, it is an action and a grace-driven effort that we've talked about before that says, Lord, above all else, I'm going to trust you. Above all else, I'm going to seek you, and I'm going to go where you call me. One of my favorite stories in, in, in all of Scripture is in uh, Matthew 14, because it is such a picture of our, our, one, our wandering hearts and our faithful God. That's a story where Jesus calls Peter um, out into to, to, to the sea, right, to walk towards him. Right, like there, there is a, a, a proactive dependence on Jesus when Peter steps out of the boat and puts his foot on the water. Jesus asks something of him to trust him, to believe in faith. But what happens? He, he steps out and he begins to walk, but the waves come, his eyes dip low, fall off of Jesus, and he begins to sink. Right? And what lifts him is when he looks back at Jesus, this proactive dependence of going, there is nowhere else where my hope, my trust, my, 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 my future, my purpose, my meaning is found apart from you, Jesus. And my eyes dip low so often. Dip low in fear. They dip low in, 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 in doubt. But I'm praying that what God is doing is he is stirring in this season of crisis and change and transition globally in our country, that he's stirring a people who are hungry, who are not satisfied with what was. They're not satisfied with an old version. They're not satisfied with the patches, the religious patches, the old wineskins that we have tried to fill with a new wine that will never hold. But he's creating a people who are hungry and thirsty for his presence. Because when we get in his presence, when we're a people of his presence, that's when we will see the change and the flourishing our hearts were designed for. So in our, our gatherings, we're going to take uh, communion uh, together. And next week, we will go to part two of this, which is preparation. Many of you wanted me to go there even now, but next week we're going to talk about the preparing work God does when he finds a people, when a people are wholly discontent before him. And so let me pray for us, and, and uh, if you would like to do communion in your home, I'd, uh, I'd love for you to share that with your family or just take it before the Lord uh, by yourself. But let me pray for us. Father, uh, take your words, seal them in our hearts, transform us and shape us for your glory. Um, Lord, I long to be a man who is more desperate for your presence, who comes before you before I go before anyone or anything else. Lord, it's in your presence that you align us with what you're doing. And God, we as a church, we as a people want to be part of that. I love you. I thank you for this church. I thank you for the gatherings. I thank you for these online gatherings. Lord, use them how you see fit. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. I love you all. We'll see you all next week.